this idea of this robust, thick love that shows faithfulness and commitment through thick and thin. Hello, this is Pastor John. This is Pastor Tim. Dorothy Jones, Parish Administrator. Ty Sprecky, Director, Family Discipleship. All right, and welcome back to our uh, series going through our mission statement. We are Growing Christ-Centered Disciples for Life. And today we're in chapter five, which is titled, I am a disciple for life. And so we're really focusing on that last phrase for life. And so Pastor John, throwing it over to you so you can kind of give us a little synopsis of what what we're talking about here. Yeah, so in the early church, um, if you were to become baptized, you know, become part of the church, it was uh, often at the expense of your life or at least uh, a comfortable life because Christianity was such a countercultural thing and persecuted in the Roman Empire. And uh, everything kind of turns uh, with this guy named Constantine in, uh, I believe, fourth century. And so uh, Christianity is adopted as the official religion of the Roman Empire. And then from there on out, we get this thing called Christendom, where uh, Christianity is just broadly accepted. And so that was a good thing, um, but it also led to this thing that we call cultural Christianity, where uh, rather than focusing on discipleship, a discipleship that, that continues from baptism to death, it's just sort of a, an extracurricular in our life. And so um, Christianity, I mean, I'm an American and I believe in God equals Christianity. And, and Christianity kind of loses its edginess a little mm. bit. And the words of Jesus uh, and the Christian life get kind of watered down, kind of assimilated into American culture. And, and so in this case, we have people who will say, I want my child to be baptized because um, this is the religious obligation of a parent, you know, maybe grandparents are expecting it, but there's no real intention for a robust life of discipleship and attending worship and being part of a Christian community. Uh, or confirmation is, is I think, uh, part of cultural Christianity. Not always it can be a good practice to, to help us confirm and confess our faith, but sometimes it becomes an episode in our lives where we say, hey, we gotta get these kids confirmed, check the box, they graduate, they don't come back to mm. church. And um, then we also have um, what we call consumer Christianity, which would, rather than saying, how can I give my gifts, talents to the church? How can I serve the body of Christ and build it up the question is, how can the church be here as a religious goods and services that meets my needs when I have a need, but leaves me alone when I don't have a need? And if I'm not happy with my church or if I experience conflict or my church challenges me on something, some scriptural teaching, I'm just gonna jump ship and go to a different church. And I might not even tell my church I'm gone because there's not a real valuing of the relationship or conflict like avoidance. None of their business anyway. Yeah, and, and so uh, really what we focus on in this chapter is this idea of a covenant commitment. Um, in Hebrew, this is called hesed, 
in the New Testament, it's called agape. It's this idea of this robust, thick love that shows faithfulness and commitment through thick and thin. This is obviously the, the love that God has for us in Christ, but it's also the love and the faithfulness we're called to have for each other in the body of Christ. When you have that hesed, covenant faithfulness commitment, real growth can take place hmm. because there's a security of relationship there where you know, we go through tough stuff and we endure and we love each other. We bypass our growth when we have a weak commitment because we don't stay in the growth process. And yeah, so, kind of through the pain and, and yeah. through the growth, yeah. And so just to kind of summarize, uh, this is actually part of our tradition because uh, in uh, the rite of confirmation, we ask these questions. Um, we ask, um, you know, do you intend to be faithful in worship and to receive uh, the Lord's Supper? Um, do you intend to remain in this faith steadfast, even to death. And um, our confirmands and our new members say, I do. Yeah. So do we really mean it? Yeah. So instead of being Christianity becoming kind of something that um, we can take or leave, which it never was in the history of the church, if mm -hmm. you read the scriptures, that's not an option. Um, being a disciple for life says, this is my entire life now. These are my people. This is my future. This is my destiny. And you're going to have to um, pry it from my cold, dead hands, <laughs> so yeah. to speak. This is my faith. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that is, that is edgy, right? And that is, it's definitely countercultural to maybe what the rest of the, our world is doing to have that kind of a uh, invincible commitment, right? So the fearless faith. Yeah. Right. Fearless, mm -hmm. bold. Um, I'm going to take one on the chin if I have to, mm -hmm. but this isn't going to change. Yep. Okay. So good. Um, how about this question? I, I like it. Um, have you ever answered these questions in front of the church? And what was that experience like? You mean the questions like, will you remain faithful to God, Father, Son, yeah. and Holy Spirit, even unto death? Yeah, that, those ones, the confessional, make your good confession questions. Yes, actually, um, not only as confirmation, but it's also um, sometimes uh, as a new member, right? So, um, and the first time, it's very cool. Um, I mean, you are, you're confessing out loud, and it's like, wow, this is such a big deal. And, and, um, and it's even just great listening to it every year when we have confirmants because it's a moment to reflect once again, mm -hmm. am I taking these vows seriously? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and to hear the, the, the youth say it, when I say it, um, it's this, we're all on a, a community, right? That we're all together mm, yeah. in this. And so it's a very, uh, it's a very just cool thing about it. I like that you said the word vows because I always kind of, I've, you know, said these for confirmation and for installations and such. Um, but I, I, you know, I agreed with them. I said, you know, I do by the grace of God. But at the same time, I just viewed them as words and, you know, confessing those words. But I like the way that you said these were vows and am I keeping these vows and using that as a reflection every time there is a confirmation happening, you know, you can reflect back. And I, mm. I like that use of vow because there's more, there's more, um, what's the word we've been using with? 
don't know, meat, there's, meat there's on the meat mound? to it. Um, there's an edge Edginess. to it. Yeah, yep, that's mm-hmm. the word. There's an edge to the words that we're saying now. They they hold a little bit more weight rather than just, do you believe these things? Yeah, I, I do, I guess, in front of the whole yeah, congregation. I, I mean, I've, I don't remember saying this in my confirmation. I remember the mm-hmm. day of confirmation. But I don't really remember as an eighth grader really thinking through what that meant or just mm-hmm. being able to comprehend it even. But I think as I've said this and witnessed other people say it again and again, in particular, my ordination mm, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, into the pastoral office, but then also as I've helped people say these words, mm-hmm. either in confirmation or in new member process, um, man, it's like pretty epic. It's mm-hmm. an epic thing to say for yes. anyone to say, I'm gonna hold this even if I had to die. Um, this is really a powerful thing to say. And I'm kind of, it's become like kind of a bigger and bigger deal for me as I've, I've reflected on it over my life. Do you think that comes with age? Because an eighth grader, yeah, like, you I know, that, so. like I'll, live, I'll be living forever, so yeah, sure, <laughs> you know, even when I, I die. I think uh, life experiences and, um, and, and just uh, awareness of what happens in the world, like, you know, or and maybe being aware of persecu- actual real persecution, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's when we, um, we become, we understand more the, the, what that really means, even unto death. I think so. I mean, just growing up, you start counting the consequences a little yes. bit more for what you say and believe. And um, yeah, I think our eighth grade brains grasp it in a certain way. I, don't, I think they can grasp it. But I think a you know a 25 year old brain's going to grasp it in a different way, and a 50 year old brain's going to grasp it with even more mm-hmm. clarity and maturity. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think there, it's a good confession that grows as you grow. Um, good. Well, let, let's think about this question: what uh, what might it look like, by the grace of God, if every member of Holy Cross not only answered these head Hesed Chesed questions? in the affirmative, but also boldly lived them. Pastor John, can, do you have a picture of that in your mind? Well, I think, um, well, I think when we don't, I think it can be demoralizing um, mm. because it's like you're putting all this effort into um, preaching God's word and, and leading people to grow. And you know, if you've ever been in a room where like you're, you're talking and you can tell that two thirds of the people aren't listening to you, <laughs> mm-hmm. that can be pretty demoralizing. Um, but uh, gosh, if you... That's never happened to me never happened as a to preacher. You. No, <laughs> it's never happened. How many sermons were like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but gosh, you know, to think about everybody knowing why they're here in church and what their commitment is to one another. I mean, that's, it's almost hard to imagine Hmm. because of cultural Christianity and consumer Christianity. It's hard to imagine, but we already see it. And if you can just imagine it multiplied, I think it looks like people's lives changed. I think it looks like um, people really experiencing joy and people experiencing security, hmm. meaning I know I have a group of people who, who really care for me. Yeah. And that I know that I'm part of something eternal, something that's big. Yeah. A, a closer to reflection of that bride of Christ, you know, in, in mm-hmm. 
when Jesus comes again, right? Just yeah, yeah. I I think just to piggyback on, I think I've heard a few things I want to reflect on a little bit. Is you know, Dorothy, you said that sense of community that when everyone's confessing the same thing, it's like that is really powerful. And and John, yeah, just knowing that you have those people with you, I think that's just such a powerful piece that. I don't know if you can put a price on it, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I remember um, when certain people have, have come into the church or have uh, really stuck around through maybe difficult times in the church. Like we, in, when I was in Thunder Bay, we had some difficult times, but man, it is such a blessing to know there are other people who really mean this confession. They really do. And they're not giving it up and they're going to fight with you. And I think... Um, it's very humbling, but it's, it gives you confidence, you know? And I think, so I'm, I'm speaking from experience as a pastor. Um, you know, we went through some difficult times at my last church and people were discontent and they were leaving. And you kind of think, man, am I just messing this up or what as a pastor? But then when you realize there's people who are like, absolutely got your back and absolutely like, please keep preaching the pure gospel. Please keep preaching the word of God. And we are not leaving. Hmm. I mean, it is like confidence inspiring and you just feel like, oh good, I'm, they got my back. And that is just a powerful thing. And I don't know if it's particularly for men in like a brotherhood kind of way or not. Ladies, you'll have to, to answer to this too, I think. But as for me as a man, it's like that sense of brotherhood is extremely powerful and like you need it. And I'm really blessed to have it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it goes good. hand in hand as well with that sense of sisterhood. I was mm. just at the LWML convention with women of so many different age groups. I mean, there were even children there because, you know, moms had to bring their littles. And that is just powerful singing. I'm not much of a singer, but it was just powerful singing with my sisters in Christ that I had not met or had met for the first time there. And just there's so many different women and we believe the same faith. We believe in the same God. And, and that is just wonderful to have a group of people that really, like you said, they do have your back. Mm -hmm. And I have that picture of family. It's commitment to your family. Um, whenever there are hardships, you don't, you can't leave your family. You're born into it. And it's the same way as, you know, we're baptized into God's family and, um, we, we can't just leave or we shouldn't have that mindset where, well, you know, there's struggles. And so I'm just going to leave until things are better or find someplace else. We should be wrestling um, with those struggles and having each other's back. Like the people in Thunder Bay had for you. Yeah. Um, it's so cool when you meet other Christians from other, with other languages, with other, you know, other cultures, but you're, you're both just, you know, uh, faithful Christians, same doctrine, right? When fellowship, another, it just, it bypasses all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. And even when I, you know, just even confess the creeds here and knowing that my relatives eight hours prior in Germany are confessing that same creed, mm-hmm. it, it, it just, it's so, it's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I have a friend who's in Botswana, Mm -hmm. some friends who are there confessing the same creed and a a friend who's in Taiwan teaching English, confessing the same creed. And that is super beautiful. Good. Um, let's talk about, um, some of these other questions too. So 
this question, when have you observed cultural Christianity or consumer Christianity in Kearney? Do you want to kind of say anything about that? Well, first of all, to me, it, this was brought up in a previous podcast, you know, our, our, our attendance, uh, I mean, our, uh, our membership number is like 1,600, but we, on a great day, worship 600, and I have not been in, uh, I grew up in New Mexico, I went to church in California and Florida, you didn't have that kind of, where your, your membership numbers way outdid your actual mm. attendance, and that's, that's right there, that means you're culturally, you're a member, right, and right. so, but without that, that um, commitment, commitment, yes, mm-hmm. exactly, and so that, that, um, and it's like, well, now what, you know, what do you, how do you deal with that? For me, that's something new. Okay. So you see that disparity in membership and attendance. I wonder if it has to do with just being comfortable, you know, like, cause if you're in a place where there's not that many Christians, uh, and it, maybe it's not popular to be going to church, like you kind of have to have more intention about it, more grit, cause you're going against the stream anyway. Uh, right, yeah. right. Um, and that, that says something probably about your congregation, too, because they're there, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they're, they're in it. Um, right. So, um, and they're going to be serving there. I mean, you still kind of have like the 20% serving more than the 80%, you know, that mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> That's a, maybe another conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it in that concept of cheap faith. Um, there's a quote in um, the the book, the reading for for this chapter. How do you say that, Dietrich Bonhoeffer? How do you say you that, Bonhoeffer? How do you say that in your German? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bonhoeffer. <laughs> he he describes. There's a um, expert there of how what he calls cheap faith, and it says I highlighted it. It says baptism without church discipline. So cheap grace is grace without discipleship. And, and that's huge because I think many people view baptism as this single event in their life. Mm-hmm. And maybe parents baptize their children because the grandparents are pushing them to baptize them. Or it's just something that you do. It's part of your culture or your traditions. But there's no... There's no um, uh, meet within it. It's just an event kind of like confirmation can be of, you know, you just check off the, the mark. There's no, so it's, it's viewed as just a single event in your life, whereas discipleship is, it's a life thing. It's a constant daily, um, thing that is happening. It's, it's working and it will continue to work throughout your life until you pass in your face to face with, with God, with your savior. Right. Um, and so it's, there's a question in a few chapters back of how is baptism the beginning of discipleship? It's, it doesn't, it's the beginning, right? It yeah. doesn't end when we are baptized, it continues and it's something you have to continue to work through because that old Adam is so relentless mm-hmm. and it's a continual drowning and it's, you know, violent. It's described. Yeah. And resurrection. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. For that new Adam to arise every single day. And so, um, that's something that I've seen, not specific to Carney, but just, um, since I've been in the Midwest, I guess, um, cause you know, in Florida, I was a little bit younger. I couldn't really see it too well, but since I've been in the Midwest, that is, you know, kind of the cheap grace, that cultural Christianity where baptism is just a one-time event. And, you know, then maybe you do Sunday school, but the discipleship isn't tied to your baptism. It's just 
kind of its own bracket. And mm. then, well, yeah, then you go to Sunday school, but that's it. There, there needs to be that connection. Mm. It's not baptism and Jesus. It's, it's both. Kind of, yeah. Lifelong, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think I've been surprised by the way people will, will switch churches. And mm-hmm. this is not something that I've only noticed, but other pastors in town from other denominations, as I've spoken with them, have noticed it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Yeah. And church hopping. Church hopping and shopping, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to me because that was a, when I was in serving outside of Hartford, Connecticut, the church I was at, we had about maybe 180, 200 on a weekend, really close-knit community but we just didn't see people go to other churches. We would see people just not go to church at all. But um, I just did not see people say, oh, we're at this church now, or we're at this church now. I mean, that was their church. Yeah. <laughs> and they went, and maybe they moved to a different city or something. But, but I, it's just been interesting to me. It's been culturally interesting to me to meet people, get to know them, or to be looking at our, our membership list and, and find out, oh, the, these people have been gone, they're at a different church. And, you know, and, and I pray they're doing well and growing, but it's just like, you know, and maybe there are genuine reasons to switch church. Like, I'm, I'm a Baptist now because I believe the Baptists are right about baptism, you know? Yeah, sure. But often I just wonder if this is, what I think about is, well, what about the community and the, and the relationships that you had? And I think the more that we have these really sticky relationships where we're really glued together in faithfulness, in, you know, hesed mm-hmm. for each other, the harder it is to, to just kind of jump ship. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, this kind of goes to our, our next question is, which is, why do you think it is so hard to combat these forces in church today? And I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but like consumer Christianity kind of says, is it the best bang for your buck? Mm -hmm. You know, and it says doctrine is whatever, you know, truth is whatever. And our culture says that too. It's like, there's no one can really know, you know, what's absolutely true with regard Mm. to these doctrines. So the question is, where do you feel the most bang for your buck? And if, you know, if you get more bang for your buck over at this church, you know, maybe they got a kid's sports program, they got a smoothie bar, you know, they got the new uh, exciting pastor with, with hair, Um, (laughs) then you're going to go over there, you know? And it's just like, it's not a question of doctrinal confidence. Like I am captive to this truth that I cannot disregard. I, because I said I would uphold it even with mm-hmm. a gun in my face, you know? Um, so if that's not what our fellowship is based on truth and fellowship around a con- confession of faith, mm-hmm. then it becomes, yeah, what, where do you get the best bang for your buck? And you're going to kind of yeah. find whatever you find there. I think too, that everything that we do in life as Americans is consumeristic. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. like if you go to the grocery store and you want cookies, you have a whole aisle of cookies and you can choose different brands, <laughs> different Price points. Flexibility, you know, <laughs> crunchy, soft cookies, M&Ms. Mm. I mean, gluten-free. It's just you, you have all these options. Mm. And so 
I think that we are so tailored to, you know, have it your way. It's all about you. And so we can sometimes experience worship that way. We might go to worship and say, yeah, this didn't really get anything out of it. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, <laughs> is that yeah. the point? <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, you know, if you think about early church or like persecuted church, mm-hmm. like if you say, if you're in China, you know, especially about 30, 40 years ago where you're underground, you know, the yeah. church is underground. You're not asking which of my scared underground gatherings has the best music. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not the question. The question that you're just so glad to be able to find any other Christian that's willing right. to be brave with you and to hear the gospel. And so, you know, I think it is just we're a consequence of where we live and our age and like Amazon and <laughs> all of this catered stuff to us. And sometimes mm-hmm. we need to kind of, I don't know what helps people shake out of that. But. I mean, because even early America, I mean, you had the, the community church, right? Yeah, so right. So it, it really is a reflection of our current times that we have so many choices. And, um, you know, when I, I was think, reflecting on my last community, even if I wanted an LCM ch- LCMS church, there could be four of them that I could make a drive within 30 minutes. So if I had an issue with one church, you know, I could go to the next one. <laughs> yeah. and it's still LCMS, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. that is a problem where I'm not, uh, you know, it's a problem with um, uh, connecting with the people and, and going through those struggles. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just not mm-hmm. running away. Just kind of the, playing the long game with people. and. Mm-hmm. This all reminds me, I wanted to, we read this earlier um, in whatever chapter, but the verse in Ephesians of, um, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind. That's what, that's the image I've had in my mind Mm -hmm. when we've been talking is that it really does feel like we're just, you know, being tossed around by the wind and the waves. There's nothing grounding us or holding us when, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Not a great place to be. No. Well, so I think one of the most countercultural things that you can do as a Christian is to um, to find a church, commit to it, and just stay there for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, unless you move, you know, to a different city or something. But um, yeah, it's kind of the as we've said on the podcast, it's the most punk rock thing you can do is join a church. Like we're at the point now where yeah. like, did you really say that? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it used to be that being a member of a church for your whole life was like kind of boring and normal. And now it's like actually kind of extreme countercultural, yeah. extreme alternate mm-hmm. lifestyle. Maybe, you know, like we're just kind of like doing something weird. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I mean, if you, if you want to kind of go against the grain, yeah. it's, that's what we're doing. Stick it to the man. <laughs> yeah. You go to church and you stay there your whole life. Yeah. So. <laughs> Amen. Amen yeah. to that. We'll close on that maybe. All right. Um, who should end in prayer? Pastor John, do you have it there? I can do it. Okay. All right. Let's pray. Dear source of all life, your love is beyond understanding in our lives. Thank you for the promises you keep, the blessings you give, and the glory you share. Help us, Lord, to remain faithful to you with all of our lives. Strengthen our community and hold us to your truth. Thank you for the study, and may it be a recommitment for each one of us to your gracious will. Amen. Amen. Amen.